anybody who who's traveling down the journey of getting a child to play their child community kids whatever right and say whenever you get stuck it's like a swiss knife just to build on the on the analogy you don't pick up a swiss knife every morning or 24 hours it's not a you know thing you play with the whole day but when you encounter encounter a situation is when the swiss knife's utility comes into play right you have to open a can and you have a swiss knife there you got it you want to cut something you have a swiss knife there you got it but you're not sitting around with a swiss knife saying what do i do with it and that's really what the book is right Welcome to Inspire Someone Today podcast, a show where we dive into the stories and insights that has the power to create ripples of inspiration in your life. I'm your host Srikant and I'm thrilled to be with you on this journey of inspiration. Hi my dear listeners, welcome back to another episode of Inspire Someone Today. Today's guest, uh they are Uh, not somebody new to inspire someone today they have been on the show in the past uh, giving their uh, messages of uh, inspiration it's an absolute joy and pleasure to welcome back two of our guests today on episode number 5 we had hosted somil majmudar and on episode 100 we had vijay krishnamurthy it took somil so long to come back and vijay so short to come back welcome to the show gentlemen oh thank you thank you shrikant pleasure to be back and uh, you know this uh... Inspire someone today has really gone from strength to strength on time. We first spoke. Very, very happy and congratulations. Thank you. And congratulations to the two of you on your big milestone, which is getting kids to play. You're co-authoring this wonderful book, which is going to hit Amazon top of the chart somewhere later this month. And uh, I wish it continues to stay that way all through the year. So congratulations. Thanks. Thanks, Rikant. And I'm hoping that... Uh, if it does even a fraction of as good as what your podcast is then then we'd be very happy that's a tall claim vijay thank you so much so for the benefit of our listeners just a quick intro of vijay and somil vijay is a leading sports research scholar with over 25 years of experience executive coach somil is a co-founder and managing director of sports village one of the leading company doing great in the field of sports uh we are here to talk something that both of them have come together and are doing something it is not telling kids to play and incidentally the episode that we aired somil when uh, we shot earlier on it, it was called as let's play and now it has taken a new avatar which is called as get kids to play so let's get started with that what was the motivation behind writing the book and it's not about getting kids to come and play it is more about the school leaders the community and the parents to embrace this whole concept of getting kids to play tell us a bit about this thanks again that is uh, i mean it's a very reflective i'm just thinking of the instruction and introduction that you made so incidentally since you mentioned the fifth uh, episode i i have listened to it and who knows that may have played a part in me uh, pitching this idea to someone saying you know we're doing too many of these things telling people how would we have a book also uh, all right but a quick one from my side is uh, the motivation look it's another uh, covid baby if i may call it late 21 and uh, early 22 when i i remember reaching out to somil also there's one thing uh, deep in the middle of my doctoral study at that time university of mysore actually i was in chapter 2 literature review of that and i was like reading this policy implementation was one of my uh, thesis topics 
And uh, long story short is, I used to keep reading. My prof used to say, one research paper a day is your goal and all that. You know, if you're uh, cooked up inside one research paper a day. And I'm, I'm not able to find Indian stuff at all. Keep reading on the global material. And you don't, I mean, thinking such a commonsensical thing, you want just neighborhood kids to play and why isn't, you're reading stuff in Western Europe and Australia and US. And so that was one seed of thought, right, to get uh, things going. Second, of course, I knew Sommel from a very long time. I mean, if I had to really reach out to anybody in the industry, it was probably first Sommel. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I can't thank him enough for, he was like quick to chalo and, you know, get going and get the idea. And so there was no resistance. So to summarize, I think one was what I, what was going through me that we had to put something out. But I needed to find a, a person who's on the ground, like a practitioner. So if I have more of the research background, I felt like, the current implementation, Sawmill is the best partner for me. So that's that's my side of the story. And Sawmill, your side of the story? So, uh, uh, you know, it's been 20 years that I've been trying to get kids to play. And uh, first of all, I always felt it a bit arrogant to say that I can write a book which somebody else will read. I felt it. I felt that, you know, it was almost self-indulgent, if I may, if not arrogant. Saying, what do you have to say that people want to read, right? And I think that's where the nudge from Vijay was useful to say, hey, maybe there is something. He talked about the research he's doing and so on. And I said, look, I'm happy to work, but I I mean, I'm running a business full time. So there is only so much I can afford to give us time. And he was kind enough to say, yeah, don't worry, we'll, we'll kind of hang out as well. So I think the work was already happening. I did not feel that there's a value to an outside world of, for kind of precipitating the work we have done into a book. And, but there was a catalyst called Vijay who reached out and uh, hey, here we are two years later. And to complete this point, I think for my the reason I said yes, as he very kindly put it, was with anything that I felt could help get more kids to play, I'm happy to spend time on. And even if that goes against my inner thing of just staying quiet and doing my work in a corner. You know, as Subhadra Bakshi put it in one of the early interviews when he wrote a book, he said, writing a book is like walking around naked. You're kind of exposing yourself to the world, saying, this is who I am. This is what I believe in. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very uh, a stark uh, experience. And it's a nice concatenation, research-backed and practical advice, both coming together in the making of uh, this uh, book. And what is this book all about? You mentioned about getting kids to play, but it's not going to the apartment complexes, going to the schools and getting kids to come out. It's slightly different than that. What is it all about? You know, uh, on the previous one, I still have an interesting one too, on the motivation before I get to this. I remember Sommel's one line. I don't know if he remembers it now or not. So we were discussing and we thought we have traveled a little bit on the content of the book. And then he's saying, you know what, if the world is better off without this book getting published, then we don't need to write the book. I remember one line like that and I was thinking, all these things added into the book better be something which is very sharp and useful and kind of thing. So to your question on quick one on the content here is, so Shikha, I think we all, I think you've been a parent, we're all parents also. There is no debate on, nobody's going to say, no, I don't want my kids to play, right? We want them to play and it's just not happening. So one thing we were pretty clear about from the start is how to make this happen was the only, you know, missing gap here. And how to make it happen at a grassroots level in a simple, simple way. And as we dug in more, we found that the most commonsensical things are actually becoming very useful, right? That's the journey that I also learned through the book. So in short, I think the chapter-wise is where is the space for the kids to play? How can they find time? What about child's development? 
and uh, is there a content or curriculum for them to follow for play and eventually organize sport and finally who's the facilitator the chapter 5 is you know kids themselves playing versus be teachers coaches and parents kind of thing as facilitator so that in a nutshell is like five different things and someone used to always remind me that it's it should be like a swiss knife people should be able to just jump in if they have this so that they should be able to jump in and get stuff done and luckily i think it's turned out at least to our extent now it is when it goes out we'll come to know that people resonate in the same fashion and specifically the call out was this is written more for parents school leaders and the communities and you see them as enablers in this whole mission of getting kids to play so what are some of the tools or techniques that you have outlined i'll definitely urge our listeners to kind of go pick the book and read it in detail but at a very cursory level why this community in the first place and to what are the specific things that you have kind of called out for them to play that role as an enabler so let me take that and let me also add to what vijay uh, responded to the previous question i think over the last 20 years that we've been trying to get kids to play i haven't met anybody who says they should not play or they're playing too much and everybody says they should play more but when you double click on that view after a point people shrug their shoulders and say okay what do i do and the problems that we hear are around these five placeholders which is space where does my child play time when does my child play right who is my child what does he want to play for fun for competition for whatever else right life skills what does my child play does he play a tournament does he go down and play for fun does he train and lastly who is ready my child to play at at one or all of these points people would stumble and then they would kind of hey what do i do next nobody knows right and and therefore this book is meant to provide anybody who who's traveling down the journey of getting a child to play their child community kids whatever right and say whenever you get stuck it's like a swiss knife just to build on the on the analogy you don't pick up a swiss knife every morning or 24 hours it's not a you know thing you play with the whole day but when you encounter encounter a situation is when the swiss knife's utility comes into play right you have to open a can and you have a swiss knife there you got it you want to cut something you have a swiss knife there you got it but you're not sitting around with a swiss knife saying what do i do with it and that's really what the book is right and to your question of parents and school leaders we found that kids want to play but the time budget and the let's say the money budget if you think of time and cash budgets of the child are not with the child they are with the parent and the school leaders just think about a 24 by 7 by 365 of a child's life and map out how many minutes hours the child have to decide for himself or herself on what he or she wants to do you will find it's very small the reality is that as a child your life is dictated by parents and school leaders and therefore is one thing for us to say hey kids go play more but you're not addressing the fact that i only have 10 minutes to decide for myself so very true which school i go to my parents decide which board i go to my parents decide homework karna hai nahi karna school leaders decide exam kab hai school decides so when do i decide never almost so we said okay we need let's address the real problem or the real stakeholders who can influence this and 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 in our journey we realized that they also want to make a change everybody wants to do it but we're struggling with how and we said oh here's a toolkit and hopefully people will use the toolkit wonderful i think the notion of why sports why games is out of the window because everybody gets the why it's a what and the how of it is what we want to address and that is what uh, get kids to play addresses to a very large extent and, and to a point somil the balance the balance between time and money if i bring in a, another dimension to this is the 
academic success versus sporting success. I think that also plays a very big role in deciding should I let students as a, a school leader or should I let my wards as parent to take up this particular uh, sport or game or spend time on that. So, how do you address this particular notion of time, money and priority? Yeah, I think Shrikant, some of the questions you're asking almost feel like you read some uh, parts of the book because we have addressed uh, similar things like the balance between the cats and uh, sport and everything. To see, the, the the answer isn't so simple with all these variables playing around and that's what, you know, our curiosity went into figuring out. So what we've done is for a simple dilemma that you're placing, let's say studies versus sport and let's say time becoming a crunch point for both of them, let's say. We have actually got enough evidences on the table that just because you're doing this doesn't mean the other one you won't do it. So there's a standard uh, uh, notion that you play a little bit more and your acad will suffer actually as it is like we have uh, bumped that myth quickly in the book. Uh, and also experientially, I, you know, growing up and maybe someone can add more and I've never believed in that at all. And that hopefully we found more evidence. So what we're doing there is again back to Who's the decision maker here again, parent or a school leader, telling them that whether it's research, whether it's on-ground implementation, actually, if you plan it and budget it well, both can coexist. So, and similarly, and so on. So, uh, to your point, without revealing too much about, uh, you know, in the limited time, also commute and a lot of other things that are playing into the kids' time now, right? It's It used to be just acads in... Uh, play time in our time, uh, Shrikant. I'm just saying back in the time, let's say 80s, 90s and all that. Now just imagine the number of other elements that come into a kid's life, right? Whether it's gadgets, whether it's uh, homework, tuition, I mean, additional pressure on acad academics, right? So, so we've gone through like a navigation wheel like that for each chapter. And when things get even more complicated in terms of time budget, but we've still managed to come through. There's a great learning for us through the book. It was, I initially thought we're putting out whatever we know, but in doing so, we also learned that it's actually about balancing the wheel and it's still possible. Just to add to this, uh, Shikhan, I think, you know, you asked play and education. It's like all of us, let's say three of us all learned history, biology, chemistry, but none of us are historians, biologists, chemists. Why did you learn it? We should have just dropped out of that in fifth standard, third standard, fourth standard. But we didn't. We are not allowed to. We had supposed to score good marks in that as well, even if you hated history or civics or chemistry. And that's the essence, that there's something that society accepts is required as a base foundation in education. Nobody asked the question, hey, you're not, never going to be a historian, why are you learning history? But when I play sport, the question is, oh, you know, are you going to be a sports person first? When I learn history, nobody's asking me, oh, by the way, your ma marks in maths are going to go down. I'm a good student if I'm learning history also. But if you're playing sport more, oh, your marks in math will go down. So it's I think the fundamental construct of play and sport being seen outside education is the problem. And the symptom is what we are saying, which is, hey, if this, that, you know, zero-sum game. The balance is possible. I think very often what's happening is people are wanting to do this and this and watch a movie and this and this and this and this. And then we say, hey, marks are going down. Of course, marks will go down. For, for recreational pay, marks don't go down. If you really want to play professionally, seriously, and you're like traveling 10 days a, a month for tournaments, even there, I know people who do who manage to balance academy because they cut away from everything else. 
I'll give you a personal anecdote, which was a very humbling experience for me. I was fortunate to be selected for the Maharashtra badminton team in my like eight, nine standard. Like good middle class kid, I realized उसमें पैसा नहीं है. I went down the academic side, and I was fortunate to clear the JEE and got into IIT Bombay. And I honestly walking into the campus, I thought I was the school dude who was not only cleared IIT but also played sport at a reasonable level. And everybody else around me are a bunch of geeks who are only doing math problems, right? I could not get into the IIT Bombay badminton team. Wow, the team had six people. I could not get into the team, and the level of sport at in IIT Bombay, and I know it across IITs, is way superior than some of the things I saw in the school college school level in the Bombay. Now, what are they telling you? It's right there, so it's possible. Moment you see this as a part of your journey and not as a either or zero sum game. That's so very true. I would want to play out a snippet and equate this to what we are talking about. If you can listen to this. In terms of your question about why play, one is of course personally we as a team believe that play is a very powerful magical medium, and uh, all of us have individually benefited from it in our own way, as we have been uh, we have grown up and seen seen play, and I still play, a lot of my colleagues still play, and therefore it feels like. This is something that is magical, that is available, that can make a, such a big difference to the world today. It can solve a lot of the world's problems in terms of play to build immunity. If you think of the current COVID context, physical activity is seen as one of the three things in which three ways in which you can improve your immunity, apart from you know nutrition and uh, you know uh, the other pieces are not in your control, your genetic background and your socio-economic context. Uh, so physical activity and play is one play to build immunity. Play to build community, you know, break barriers, bring bring people together. Play to build educational outcomes of improved di- discipline, improved focus in classrooms, improved uh, academic outcomes. Play to build brotherhood. Play to build nationhood. So I think I think it's it's possible to do. So basically, this goes back the flashback episode, uh, Sobil, that we shot uh, many moons back. the oh. whole notion of play was just not play it was about team building it was about discipline it was about having those negotiation skills it it was about how do you take failures and success and that is what we don't necessarily equate sports with we say that okay if it is not a career in science math or history then it has to be a career in sports but not bringing in that element of sports yeah. can be lot lot more than just It's career building and character building. That's what I just wanted to kind of yeah, bring yeah. from that particular episode. Nice. So glad you picked that up. Yeah. And you see, nobody is asking why is homework expanding, why is curriculum expanding. We are asking why is the play time expanding. It's not expanding; it's shrinking. I think we need to reverse the gaze to the rest of the content that a child is spending time on, non-play content, and, and renegotiate that. We'll move to the other segment of this conversation, which is about you as authors, first-time authors. What was the challenge of coming together in creating a concept like this? A great question, and uh, if I may answer first, I've been telling this to Samuel and and few other people in the industry or even in academia that writing the book Kids to Play is far easier than actually getting or like you know publishing the book. So if I if I Think of my second book. It's probably how I published the first book. <laughs> There's more <laughs> stories. <laughs> so, uh, so that's uh, uh, you know, from an author standpoint, it, it's 
you know, if anyone's listening or maybe hopefully to your listeners who are first time authors, I think the other ones would ob- obviously know, would be first time authors, if I may call it. I only thought here is I went in thinking writing was the only thing, right? But then in publishing and then the reader in mind, so the multiple drafts and and, and this is where I think Sauvel's contribution is stellar, right? He's always thinking if the reader picks up and picks up that page number, what is he getting? So I felt like someone always uh, gave me that, uh, you know, at times if I have to tell you, maybe I'm just exploring the sky and someone's always showing me the landing strip usually, right? And and so that reader in mind or audience in mind uh, is something that I learned through this book because in academia writing, it, it wasn't happening. You're again writing to fellow scholars, fellow academia guys, and, and you're already thinking they're at a point where if they're downloading that research paper, they're doing it and they're already at a particular point of finding it. But here there's a book from a mainstream book going to parents and they may not have in that much time to begin to the research material. So that's, uh, and one key point before I turn it over to Samuel is I think one of the brilliant ideas in the book, again with reader in mind is as each section flows, uh, Shrikan, there's always like a to-do coming in throughout the book. Every second or third page, if you're talking about limited space, if streets, if there's a traffic field and how do you get kids to play? If you're thinking of that scenario, we don't like wait till the end of the chapter or end of the book to say this is what you need to do. We quickly landed right there. In that section itself, like what what are the existing solutions and how can you optimize for the moment, whether it's a parent or a school leader? And trust me, I think once we cracked that, I felt myself that like, you know, the writer's block or... Now I could bring in more scenarios because I know how I could land it also. So that cycle was helping me. Yeah, but, you know, I could run, uh, we both could run another entire series on the writing and the publishing especially. I mean, it's a different story. So needless to say, it's going to be an action-packed book. With that said, just very recently, I had uh, Rohan Bopana on the show who incidentally went on to become the world's, not that because he was on the show, but <laughs> truly because of who, who he is and who what he has done to the sport. Similar to that, taking that analogy, this is also like that doubles game, right? Vijay has his own set of things. He contributed in the making of the book. So, I mean, you did that. How easy or tough it is, one with an academic bent of mind, one with a practical bent of mind to kind of pose that partnership. And secondly, I hear both of you telling multiple times saying that, you always kept the reader in mind. Does it kind of become very hard because you kind of resonate with a lot many things personally, but you don't know how the audience resonate with that. So how easy or difficult what is to kind of bring that balance to always say that no, this is what I am thinking, but is that what the reader want? Is that what the audience want? So two two part question. One is how do you center yourself from a reader versus a writer? And second is the doubles partnership. So on the on the first uh, reader uh, writer, I think I think the question maybe related to the previous question as well. I think the real question is once you have clarity on the why mm. and why you're writing this book. Once that why clarity comes, then it helps you to negotiate even your internal versus external questions or even your doubles analogy that you're using, right? Because the doubles analogy or your writer versus reader existing conflict, if you will, is only as relevant in the as in the with the why frame. If the why frame ka answer is not clear enough, then you can do anything you want, right? I I could write a journey of, but the why is in we want people to pick up the book and actually get kids to play. 
right? So, so that's one important thing where it just cleans out this thing that you might want to say some stuff, but then just add a layer which is relevant to the reader, right? And that, I think the tango, if you will, was that the research helped create, in my mind, the the grounding for the topic. Ki Iceland may UK is doing this, US is doing this, India has this. Now we have this problem, and now here's the, the solution. It kind of almost landed. There was a runway, and we kind of landed on it. I think that's where I think this thing uh, went uh, well in having uh, a research plus a practitioner because of the why. The why was to convince parents. And remember, the, you know, parents and school leaders also because they are the ones responsible for a child. It's not about them controlling the budgets of time and cash, but also they are responsible. If they are the ones responsible for child development, how do I give them enough to do what we think? What we That's the writer's part. See, the writer, we are saying, we think sports is the best thing in the world. It can solve all the world's problems. The world doesn't think so yet, right? Yet. At some point, <laughs> we think it will. So as a writer, I need to now land to the reader's view. That reader is not convinced about my religion or sport, right? And there will be some who will be never convinced. So let, let them be. But the remaining who are willing to kind of at least listen to my pitch, I need to give them a landing strip from where they are to where I am. And that's where I think research gives a landing strip. And once you land it, they're like, okay, so now I've landed. What do I do? Here's a toolkit. Because you can land everybody and then have nothing to do. Then people are like, hey, what's going on? Right? So I think that balance of intellectual connection to the topic and why this should work, why this should happen to actual hands-on, hey, if you want to do it, here's something you can do. Vijay? Beautiful. Yeah, very well put. And, you know, I'm, I'm a tennis guy. So I'm thinking in uh, since you are double. So I, I always felt like I was starting the point. Maybe I was just serving it out and Samuel was at the net and he was finishing it always there. Right. So that is each section uh, ending. The other thing here, uh, uh, Shikant, is I'm, as we speak in this conversation, I'm thinking, look, finally, it's about plays and action, right? Plays something. So even when we coined a quick one on the title, Initial are, uh, I remember we went through a bunch of titles and I remember one of them was Play Nation, like, you know, equivalent to Kelo India, you know, all, all kinds of things. And finally, it was about putting the, who's the person here, the, the child, the kid, and what do they need to do? It's like, uh, you know, more than an hour the work to actually do something, right? And so somewhere I think that this is not one of those uh, lazy Sunday afternoon reading uh, kind of fiction book or any other book of that. If you read it, then you're going to do something and implement something, right? The closest analogy, Shrikan, I can think of is like a cookbook, right? If you're reading about a recipe, you have to actually go cook after that. You can't just read about it. So hopefully, uh, parents and school leaders, when either, uh, there is deficit of play, whether there's not enough space in the school, the, the kind of scenarios that we've traveled through and learned is quite a lot. I mean, it's great learning for me also, uh, right? And given all that, then for each situation, hopefully there is the first nudge for Making things happen. Simultaneously inspiring and useful is the phrase uh, very kindly Dr. Rukmini Banerjee gave in, in her testimonials after reading the book. Oh, wonderful. I, I just hope that this book finds a place in every school library when the book gets released. Slightly getting both of you to focus on your new titles, new roles, which is of authors. If you were to share tidbits for any upcoming authors or anybody thinking about uh, authoring a book, what are the three piece of advice that you would give? I think the first, and this is uh, uh, very often said but not followed well, is to write, you got to read a lot. And I think it is just, people just think that, okay, I'll start writing. I can't help but think of what my professor taught me on this. He used to say, if you read uh, what 10,000 words content, 
if you have to write it in your own words, take a stance about it, the max you could do is 100 original words. Wow. Which also sometimes really challenged me thinking then if I have to write a book which is 30-40 thousand words, how much should I read? <laughs> right? But uh, that stayed with me always about before writing. So, uh, in my mind, it's a good question, first of all. Uh, I think the why is the most important piece. That's true for anything in life, but I think as a author, definitely the why. And therefore, the why leads to who is a reader. If you're not clear about that, you can tend to write a book for, or try to write a book for everybody who doesn't work. And the last, the third is depth. Now, depth, one is from reading, as Vijay rightly said, other is from practicing, third is from failing. So, so the reader is wanting some depth, I feel. Uh, and uh, that beyond some platitudes about, you know, which is kind of superficial and, you know, people want to be left with some something strong, something core, which is, I might disagree with it, but at least I have a, I understand this is what the author is saying. As they say, an IQ, uh, a point of view is worth like 20 IQ points, right? The fact that you have a point of view implies that you kind of consider different aspects and, and then come to this point of view. I might disagree with it. The fact that you have a point of view versus saying, hey, here's a landscape and here's, now do what you want. As against the depth to say, this didn't work for me. This is what our book is, right? This worked for us. And lastly, maybe just define success. So let's say a book is a roaring success. Will it achieve what to a why was? For us, my definition of success is we want to get 100 million kids to play. If this book can get 1 million kids to play, 1 kid to play. I would actually even say, go uh, have a co-author in everything and uh, the reason I say that is I, I reflect back and think had I continued only me writing it and without someone, it's almost simple. I don't think the book could have ever finished at all or it wouldn't have been productized or landed where it is. What's happening, the reason there being you're writing, you're bouncing off ideas, then you're sharpening it. and uh, So you're saving on that. The drafts are happening between us itself before even it goes to the publisher. Right? So I, whether it's a research paper, case study, me, even a media article, everything, most of the time I usually co-author because I find uh, that itself is a working thing. But of course, for that, you need to collab with the right person. Uh, but it's worth it. The third thing I would, I would add from my side is one thing that we did in the last two, three months just before the book launch is uh, we got a lot of people close by to read the book. So that, because I couldn't, the manuscript wasn't fresh anymore to me for my eyes after some time. And when we sent it around to people who were the actual and we luckily found some some good well-wishers who started to read through the sample chapters. One was a, a new mom, a one-year-old. Somebody else had a teenage kid. A third one had, uh, you know, someone who's a former athlete or who's been through sporting. All of them gave different types of inputs when they read it, which we eventually integrated it before the final. So that, again, reader in mind was covered through the Sangalism. And by the looks of it, you have kind of covered all grounds to make this as a super duper hit. Uh, like you said, the why is very clear. You know the what of it. And to have somebody like uh, Rahul David to do the force, but it still speaks volumes about what you both bring to the table. So we've been talking a lot about the book, the making of it, the content of it. Just let us uh, know through you to our listeners. When is the book getting released? Where can they go pick up the book? And uh, as uh, as something that we want to do from this uh, particular episode, we'll have signed copies from both of you for five lucky winners uh, who listen to this episode and uh, spread the good word. So tell us about when, where and how of the book. So we've registered a website and uh, the first thing I want to say is uh, the, the title of the book is the name of the website, getkidstoplay.com. 
and uh, it should be available on Amazon uh, hopefully by uh, max by March first week. And the other quick thing I want to tell you is uh, we know that we have only scratched the surface here. So anyone has feedback and all that, it's going to roll in and we're going to make it a digital thing and addition to onwards and continuing content is going to flow into the website. That's wonderful. You always hear about people launching the book and that's about it. Here you're already thinking about version 2 of it with more content getting enabled. No, Srikant, that's an important point because when we started down this journey, we realized that there's so many different types of use cases, different types of kit, different types of spaces, different types of content. You know, if, as I say, inshallah, if this works well with the uh, readers, you know, is there a book required for getting girls to play? It requires a depth on just that topic. How do you handle, how do you get special kids to play, right? What about adults? So they're just older kids, all of us are just older kids, right? So there, there are different segments in that urban, rural, space, time, context, objectives. So uh, what we want to do is to hear back from our readers to say, hey, I read your book. By the way, your toolkit worked here. It didn't work here. Okay, let's fix the toolkit. And if you have to get 100 million kids to play, I think there has to be a long-running uh, program. Okay. Absolutely. So this is the power of three round. Since we are talking about books, the target audience of your books, the obvious first question is, if the school teachers were superheroes, what three superheroes would they need to, superpowers would they need to effectively engage parents? So one is Batman. You have to show up when the bat signal is shown. <laughs> Second is Spider-Man. You have to catch all the issues being thrown at you at the same time. And lastly, is Iceman. You have to stay cool. Wow. Wonderful. <laughs> I think we should just go to the next question. My answer is there. <laughs> the only one I'm going to add is uh, for a school leader, the superpower has to be like marks for sports kind of thing. Marks for play. And uh, it has to be there. And it has to be there along with math and science and English and everything. And uh, more than a super part, my wish is, uh, you know, as a parent, I'm thinking of another point is, in a parent-teacher meeting, why am I seeing only the core subjects and I'm not seeing the physical education person? They're right there. Saying your child, whether, you know, it's slightly overweight or uh, hand-eye coordination is off, whatever may be the technical aspects, just like we go to the extent of an English correcting language and saying this and doing that. Why isn't that person part of the panel? So if I was like, you know, running a school, I would say first is have the PE teacher sit on the table or like give marks for, uh, you know, additional play time. Wait. So this is a fun one. If this book were to have a soundtrack, how would you equate this to? What three catchy songs would you equate this to? So Madagascar has this, I want to move it, move it. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that song, but yeah. Yes. Physically fit, physically fit. so uh, it's kids and uh, fun. Yeah, <laughs> that and maybe Chuck Day. Mm-hmm. See, these football uh, World Cup songs are very uh, uh, famous, right? So I, I'm I'm thinking of a little bit back in time, Ricky Martin's uh, oh, those, Wow, uh, Shakira's uh, mm-hmm. Waka Waka for the uh, World Cup thing, and of course, from an Indian context, I, I think one of the sporty tracks I used to always I used to like is Bag Milka Bag. I mean, basically, nice. Able to do stuff. Yeah, even Dangal has a nice track about yeah tracing the world. I thought those were two uh, tough questions, but uh, you guys aged it up like uh, true true blue 
folks great going our three recommendations for the listeners to take action post what have we discussed so far uh, in terms of getting kids to play in terms of the role they can play so uh let me give it a shot then uh, so one for it's just a three recommendations for the listeners i think one is to you know ask yourself is this a problem worth solving mm-hmm. i think very often we are not spending time on even the problem that kids are playing not playing enough is this a problem worth solving and if we spend 30 seconds on it answer typically yes and if it is worth solving then the second recommendation i have is that be the voice of the child so children have no voice in the system today right be the voice of the child talk to kids talk to adults talk to school leaders talk to communities but with the voice of the child be the representative be the adult voice of the child if you can because children are not at the table when decisions have been taken about space time you know content children are not in the, in the room at all can you be that voice of the child saying hey in apartment complex we are making it all mandatory for kids to go out and play and because people are walking inside and therefore they'll get hurt can you be the voice to say hey can you balance both why should kids go out and play why can't adults go out and walk and kids play inside so you need a counter and very often in, in society maybe especially in india when the kids ask the question they are seen as rude and impolite and disrespectful of elders but can an elder adult come and say hang on let's talk and i've seen it in real life where i when i stay right where you needed somebody to negotiate back and find a solution so that's the second part right and third well use our toolkit our toolkit some other toolkit whatever just use toolkits and get more kids to play yeah from from my end shikan i think uh, what i've learned through the book also is the solution is a lot closer and easier than we think if you take a walk around you know this general thing you just think that space is not there through the book i also learned that when whenever i go for my evening walks kids are not looking for this perfect sports arena or stadiums to go play in and parents sometimes think that i should take them to this best place and all that but for initial grassroots and getting them to play you don't need uh, that kind of thing so the solution is a lot closer i feel if if whether the parent or a school leader is just willing to uh, just look for it it's not very far away and the sustainable solution is actually in your neighborhood right that's one second is adding to what sobel said which is the voice for the child and think of that holistic development of the child you know? and 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 you know i'm just saying this because we are on the show me and somnil are probably uh, part of the brain is in sport and part in our work and academy all that we did i would all the time credit it to sport whether it's all the life skills resilience and your bounce back all that is so you don't realize the value of this uh, play and sport in a child's life until much later usually if you don't put in those ingredients and i think it's it's really important to think of the child's long term development first and play and sport is going to be such a critical part even more so now because you're talking deficit of play uh in urban spaces obesity all that is going to like you know uh, become a bigger problem so just integrate play as much as possible great the last of the power of three round what three micro experiments can you recommend to integrate play into everyday life i can think of one uh, chicken so this is from my personal uh, so where i live in you know uh because i'm a tennis guy and there were tennis courts and so they used to think that rigidly this is only a tennis court and somebody else should go play out there and things like that eventually both parties agreed the soccer camp or the tennis camp eventually they found out a multi sport surface and that place was like running full capacity till uh, like 9 pm 
even with floodlights. I think that was the simplest experiment and everyone thanks even was like done like eight years ago. And it turned itself into like a, a multi-sport place. And that was a small experiment that paved the way for a long time. So the other experiment that's worth uh, thinking about is, uh, you know, pick a space and time. Let's say uh, Saturday morning, 9 a.m. in the neighborhood park. And say, hey, Saturday morning, 9 to 10, we are all going to play a fun game of whatever, cricket, football, whatever. And just broadcast in your neighborhood saying, Saturday morning, we're going to play. And you show up. You'll be surprised how many people will show up. There's this pent-up demand, desire to play. There are not enough avenues where I can aggregate with other like-minded people in a fun way, not in a competitive way. And I think there is, especially after COVID even more, there is this desire to find ways to engage with the community. So what it requires is a catalyst. And you can be a catalyst. Just say, hey, and, and with WhatsApp and everything else, it's very easy to broadcast saying, hey, Third block, so and so place, Saturday morning, eight to nine, we're gonna play, have a fun game of football or basketball or cricket or whatever. And just do it for th- two, three weeks. It's it's very it's amazing how people come out of the woodwork. And very unexpected people come out of the woodwork. The other one I would like to add, similar, which I found out uh, Shikant is uh, as someone speaking, I realized is there was only a small place to walk around in the apartment complex. And just always be this uh, complaints by adults that uh, you know, children are cycling zigzag and coming across and all that, senior citizens. All that it took was the educated people and I remember saying, okay, just if it is a, a six feet width, can we just put a, a paint saying within that two feet only you have to cycle? Okay. You know, the, the fun fact here is then the kids started cycling and now they have this license to zip through because they are in their lane and they're doing it, right? The funniest thing is six months later, I saw adults cycling. Mm-hmm. Which they were, the, they were one of the first few guys who resisted the paint itself, but then they found that it's working. So nice. Like you said, uh, Vijay, the solutions, so many times we think that it is far off, but it is just around the corner. You just had to kind of keep looking at it. Wonderful. This has been great conversation. Once again, wishing you both good luck on the launch of your book and uh, it achieving its uh, success, it achieving its goal of spreading the message around getting kids to play. Uh, before we sign off, uh, this show is all about creating ripples of inspiration. What's your Inspire Someone Today message to all the listeners? It's a game. Play, have fun. Uh, for me, it would be, uh, as they say, it takes a village to raise a kid or uh, things like that. So it's going to take the same. It's going to take a community to get kids to play. So just get on it and make it happen. Yep. It takes a community to raise a child, play your part, play your part in making the community what we all want it to be. Uh, a playing nation. It is not about this medal winning nation. That is an outcome. But if we can turn ourselves to be a playing nation, I, I think we'll make great strides in the years ahead. Yes. Gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, showing up and sharing your journey, sh- sharing your experience and making this wonderful book for uh, all of us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shigar, for having us. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Inspire Someone Today. This is Srikant, your host, signing off. Until next time, continue to carry the ripples of inspiration. Stay inspired. Keep spreading the light.